Good morning. I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for being here. A few things we need to make you aware of uh, this morning as we're getting started. Uh, Some of you would have heard that our dear brother Floyd Bernhardt passed away uh, early Friday morning, and so I want to make you aware of that, that the visitation is tomorrow night, Monday, uh, from 6 to 8 in here, and then the funeral is Tuesday with the uh, visitation is at 1 in here, with funeral in here uh, at 2 p.m. So I want to make you aware of that. Also want to encourage you to, uh, when, when we're done today, stop by the, the kiosk in the lobby. Uh, we're doing something next year called Rooted. Uh, there's a, a little leaflet in your uh, bulletin uh, last week. Um, when you stop by, uh, there's, a, there's a cost associated to it, but a big part of it is the, the manual that goes with it, the book. I'm holding it upside down. Looks like that. Um, so a big part of the cost involved is just the materials uh, for you to participate. And so we're really excited about this. We feel like it's the best way we've seen uh, to help you in your journey of spiritual formation. So I want to encourage you, uh, if, if this is something you're interested in, maybe your life group would want to be part of that. Um, uh, just stop by the kiosk in the lobby, and uh, you won't get this today. We need to know how many to order. Uh, but that's, uh, that's coming up real soon. So... Uh, one other thing, just want to uh, thank everyone who has decided to make a gift in our gift away offering, uh, and then also the Christmas dinner in a bag uh, is coming up next week, so you can leave those in the drop zone uh, when you come in. Uh, as many of you know, I am a huge uh, Lord of the Rings fan, uh, read it every year, uh, that's kind of a thing for me, and, uh, and, and yes, for those who might be wondering, I was excited and cautiously optimistic about the news that Amazon bought the rights from the Tolkien family to do a new TV show. <laughs> like, yes, more stuff. Um, it was great. So, I, you know, I like that kind of stuff. Lord of the Rings, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. I've always been a big fan of that. Um, kind of, sort of, like, I, I didn't catch the first wave of the Harry Potter stuff. I've read the books. I've not even seen all the movies. They're okay. Um, so I know, here, here's some of you nodding, no, you know, whatever, uh, you know, there's, I'm sure we have some Potterheads in our church, that's what you call someone who's a real big fan of Harry Potter, I'm a ringer, so just, you know, so you know, um, but, uh, there, there's a scene in the first book in the movie where, where the kids are there at Hogwarts and the male owls come in, uh, and deliver news and letters and occasionally, uh, some gifts, watch. Can I borrow this? Thanks. Hey, look, Neville's got a rememberall. I've read about those. When the smoke turns red, it means you've forgotten something. The only problem is, I can't remember what I've forgotten. <laughs> Wouldn't you like one of those? Wouldn't that be great? You know, you just carry around this little gizmo that, oh, it means I've forgotten something. Now, how many of you would think that's kind of a cool thing to have, right? That'd be kind of neat. Okay. How many of you, like me, would lose where you put it? Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't remember. I know I have one. I just don't know where it went. Uh, Memory is a powerful thing. So I want to do something a little bit different today. Um, I'm, I'm going to speak briefly to our theme for the morning and then invite some friends out uh, to join me. You heard John uh, mention that. Uh, I, I want to express an idea to you this morning. It's not really today's big idea. It's kind of a proto-big idea or preliminary idea, and, and here it is. I believe that the church has to be invested in the past in order to become everything Jesus intends for it to be. 
That's what we're going to be talking about today, is being invested in the past. Uh, If you're here at Chapel Rock for the very first time, thank you for being here. I'd love to meet you when we're done. I'll be right down front. Uh, Just come down and say hi. I just want to greet you personally, uh, and and thank you for being here. We're, We're going to talk about being invested in the past today. So how do you do that? How does that work? Well, over and over and over again, Scripture commands us to remember. To remember. There's a call in Scripture to remember, and so that's what I want to talk about it. Amir is the protagonist of the novel The Kite Runner. Amir's life takes a dramatic turn when he fails to rush to the aid of his servant and friend Hassan when Hassan is assaulted and abused by the bully Asef. Instead, Amir hides behind a brick wall and and watches it happen, does nothing about it. And this traumatic event, combined with his cowardice in that moment, causes his whole course of his life to be changed. And at one point in the novel, The Kite Runner, he reflects on this. He says, I became what I am today at the age of 12, on a frigid, overcast day in the winter of 1975. I remember the precise moment crouching behind a crumbling mud wall, peeking into the alley near the frozen creek. That was a long time ago, but it's wrong what they say about the past. I've learned about how you can bury it, because the past claws its way out. Looking back now, I realize that I've been peeking into that deserted alley for the last 26 years. It's true what they say, the past makes the present. Maybe you've heard the phrase, past is prologue. And so the way God would have us deal with that is by remembering. He commands us to remember. It's institutionalized in the faith of the Jewish people and in that of the church as well. As Dennis Kinlaw, who's the president of Asbury College, has noted, the Hebrew was called to walk, as it were, backwards into the future always keeping an eye on the past through the festivals and meditation on God's law and acts. This community of faith has always been a community that was commanded to remember. And those that that command, those things about remembering, really kind of cluster around five ideas in the Bible. There are really five areas where this, five key concepts where this uh, call to remember clusters around. Here's the first one. God's mighty acts of deliverance and judgment. In Deuteronomy 5.15, it's the repetition of the Ten Commandments. And as part of it, it says in the third command, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. It's part of the command to honor the Sabbath. God's mighty act of deliverance and bringing the Hebrew people out of slavery, they're commanded to remember what God did in that moment. In Luke 24, verse 6, the angel's words to the women at the tomb are, remember, he told you this was going to happen. Remember what he said. When God acts in a powerful way, his people are commanded to remember that. The second area is God's people's requests in prayer In Genesis chapter 30, verse 22, Rachel, uh, the wife of Jacob, can't have a baby, and so she prays, and she says to God, remember me. Then later in the book of uh, Judges, in chapter 16, verse 28, Samson has been captured by the Philistines. Remember, Delilah betrayed him, and they cut his hair, and it took away his strength, and, and he's betrayed. They put out his eyes, but his hair grows back. And in one last moment at a festival to the Philistine god Dagon in his temple of idolatry there, Samson prays for one last bit of strength. And what's he say? 
Remember me, God. In making that request to God, he prays that God would remember him. In Luke 23, 42, what does the thief on the cross say to Jesus? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. In Romans 1, 7 and Ephesians 1, 16, Paul says, I, I, I do not fail to remember you in my prayers. When God's people pray, it is an act of memory, remembering things to God. There's a third area, and it's God's, it centers around the idea of God's promises or God's covenant with his people. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 24, and chapter 6, verse 5, it says that God heard the groaning of Israel in Egypt in slavery, and he remembered them. In Luke 1, 72, Zechariah is thanking God for the blessing. Remember, Zechariah and Elizabeth go a long time. They want to have a baby, and they can't. And finally, God allows them to conceive, and they have John the Baptist. And, and Zechariah says, thank you, God, for remembering your covenant with us. So this idea of memory centers around God's covenant. It also centers around God's word or God's law or what we know as the Bible uh, to his people. In Numbers 15, verse 39 and 40, the Hebrew men are commanded to leave the tassels on the corners of their garments as a reminder of the law of God, the word of God. In Malachi 4.4, the prophet says, we need to remember the Word of God, we need to remember His law. It's pretty much how the Old Testament ends. There's a couple more verses after that, and then it's the end for 400 years until John the Baptist bursts on the scene. There's a fifth area, and it maybe is the most significant, and, and this idea of remembering centers around the idea that when God's people suffer, they need to remember we read this in Isaiah 38, verse 1 through 6. Hezekiah, king Hezekiah, who was one of the good kings, has been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and he cries out to God, Remember me, O God. In Mark 14, 72, Peter is in the courtyard, and he hears a rooster crow. And the text says, He remembered Jesus' words before the rooster crows three times. You'll betray, or before the rooster crows, you'll betray me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly, the text says. When God's people struggle, we are called to remember. And one of the best examples that we see of remembering being practiced is in Psalm 77. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 77. Probably be right smack in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 77, I just want, it, it's a little bit longer than we're going to read today, but I just want to read the, the first uh, 12 verses of this psalm. Look at this with me. Psalm 77, verse 1. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. Look at this. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. He's recalling former worship times. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Do you hear him struggling there? 
Did God forget me? Is God paying attention? Is he watching? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand in the, New, in the Bible, the right hand is a symbol of power. It's a symbol of ability and strength. Sorry, lefties. <laughs> he will stretch out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. We are both called and commanded to remember as the people of God. And so let's do that today. I want to have some friends join me on stage. Could you guys come out, please? And uh, we've got a, a, a selection of folks who've been around Chapel Rock uh, for quite a little while today, and, and they're going to help me. So we've got uh, Alice Meyer and Jana Dickinson and Dave and Carla Littlejohn uh, and Terry Crawford are going to come out. Uh, come on out, guys. Oh, they come from both directions, coming from everywhere. <laughs> okay. Uh, they're going to come out, have a seat, and, and we're going to spend some time remembering. We're going to have a little conversation and, and walk down memory lane together. Now, we're not going to have time for everybody up here to answer every question, okay? Uh, we won't have time for that, but we're going to try to keep this as free-flowing uh, and open as we can. Uh, before we start, though, I want to have each person... Uh, just kind of go down the line and uh, introduce themselves. I realize in a group this size, you might not know uh, who each individual is. You heard their names, uh, but might not match the name with the face. And so if you guys would, uh, tell us your, your name and uh, how long you've been, uh, been here at Chapel Rock. Uh, my name is Dave Littlejohn. I've been um, attending Chapel Rock for close to 45, 47 years. I came when I was a little junior higher. And I've uh, been here all that time. Okay. I am Carla Littlejohn, and I have been here uh, since 1977. And uh, Dave and I got married in 1979, so. I'm Alice Meyer, and I've been here since, I'm not sure what year it was, but we were still meeting at Fulton Junior High at that point. And I've been here ever since. Okay. Uh, I'm Janet Dickinson, and I've been here 40 years. I'm Jerry Crawford, and my wife Terry was supposed to be with, here with us this morning, but she's home ill, so pray for her to get over her cold. And we've been here since the uh, first day in this new building, so we've been here almost uh, 40 years. Okay, all right. So we're excited to do that. My name's Casey. I've been here about a minute and a half um, <laughs> compared to the rest. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're, we're excited uh, about doing this, and we're just going to kind of walk down and just think about... Uh, the investments that, that Chapel Rock has made in this uh, West Side community here for, for quite a little while. I just want to ask you guys, what's your favorite kind of God moment in Chapel Rock's history? Like when God really showed up and did something awesome, what, what stands out to you? Um, I'm going to jump in on this one because my favorite God moment happened back in 2005 when we had this wonderful missions weekend here. Um, all of our missionaries were invited to come on that weekend, and every one of our missions was represented. They set up booths out in the foyer. Um, they stayed in members' homes. So I'm sure there's some people here today who uh, housed missionaries that weekend. Uh, Sunday morning, 
we had this enormous world that was here on the platform, and all the missionaries were backstage behind that, and they came out one at a time and uh, you know told their name and uh, where the mission was, and they handled the whole service, and it was wonderful. But the thing that was the most thrilling to me happened on Saturday night. Um, there was a big banquet back in Fellowship Hall, and after the meal, all the missionaries were asked to go and sit in chairs, or a row of chairs was right in front of the stage, and they were asked to remove their shoes and socks. After they did that, all of our ministers and all of our elders came forward holding a basin of water and a towel, and they knelt down in front of each one of those missionaries and washed their feet. I will never forget it. Wow, awesome. I have a God moment that uh, I really didn't uh, know about until our 50th anniversary a couple years ago. Um, I was listening, and what happened years ago down at Hope Baptist down the road, that was where Chapel Rock used to be. Uh, and we were bursting at the seams, needing land, needing to relocate, but we were kind of landlocked. The only place to go was like uh, behind the east side of the church near Chapelwood, and there wasn't really that much land, and the land that was available was pretty pricey. The guy holding the land was asking for a big, uh, huge amount of money. And so the elders at that time, we looked around and, and we had to kind of go with it to have some land. So they, they didn't really vote on it at that time, but right after that meeting, I understand that um, Lawrence Leonard, uh, the, the chairman of the elders at that time, we dismissed and he headed home towards Claremont. And wouldn't you know, he was coming right down, I always cry. <laughs> uh, he was coming down Girl School Road, came to this corner, and when you know, uh, a gentleman was just putting a sign out in this lot, in the ground, saying, 26 acres for sale. And he said, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, and he walked over to the gentleman and said, you, are you selling this land? He said, yes, I am. He said, well, I know somebody who wants to buy it right now. Or <laughs> and so he came, he said, well, can you hold it for us? And he said, sure. And so the rest was history. The land was at least the same cost or even less amount of land, and we had so much more acreage here than where it was available down behind Hope Baptist. And not only that, but then God, at that God moment, we, we bought the land, and not only was Chapel Rock able to build this beautiful facility, but then Covenant Christian was able to build their school over there, and the rest was history. Awesome. Let's, let's kind of turn the corner. I mean, th those are some pretty powerful stories. Um, and you know this from your own life. Not every story is happy all the time. There are some painful moments. And so I, I want to turn the corner a little bit and just ask, what do you guys think the biggest challenge that Chapel Rock has ever had to overcome is? What, what's been the biggest uh, speed bump <laughs> that we've had along the way? Well, certainly uh, many of us recall the days of leadership change here and uh, there was a lot to be learned from that uh, it was it was a tremendous challenge for us to grow and to continue to worship here 
one of the things that I personally learned through this was, uh, and we, we talked about this last week, was why when, when we went through this, there, there was a lot of division and a lot of dissension. But me personally, I learned that it's not about, we don't come here on Sunday to listen to the, and, and, and worship the person who's speaking, but to worship who he's speaking about. Yeah. And I learned that. I, I was young at that time, and, and I, I, it, it draw my, drew my focus to that, to, to really understand. But the challenge that we faced at that time as a church, uh, and, and Jana mentioned, is how we drew together and we healed together through the times uh, as, as our leadership changed. And we had a, a staff at that time of, of, uh, of some very strong leaders. We had a good eldership that drew together and uh, we, we grew together. And I think a lot of people, uh, it deepened their faith, even going through the pain that we had to go through uh, and, and the decisions that were made to stay here or to leave. And uh, as I said last week, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty bullheaded person. So this is my church, you're my family, I'm not going any place. And that's, that's the way we, Terry and I felt about it. And, uh, you know, we, we, we learned and grew through that uh, challenging, very challenging time. But I think it, it has made uh, many of us a lot stronger in our faith and certainly has made the church a lot stronger. Yeah. I'd like to care, uh, touch on that. Uh, at that time, we were in search of a minister. Um, uh, and so we searched and brought in some of the finest ministers throughout the country, from the east to the west, and uh, they came uh, just for themselves to check, check out Chapel Rock. And uh, they preached, and um, so the eldership, we, uh, we decided on uh, one of the men, uh, his name was Jimmy, uh, I'm not sure his last name, but he was all on board, his wife was on board, and so we thought, this is the man we're gonna have. So it, we brought him in, and at the last minute, somehow there was a family decision saying, "Oh, I, we believe Indiana's just too far. We're we just we I don't we, I don't think we're going to make that decision on accepting this position on the pulpit." So I thought, "Okay, that puts us in a real pickle." You know, we had Jimmy, and uh, so now what do we do? So then, right under our noses that we didn't realize was a man named Fred Rodkey. <laughs> right over here at Kingsway. He was not really given the opportunity to preach the word like he, he preaches. Um, so we invited him to come here. Uh, people realized that he was a man of God. He preached the word. And uh, so we said, okay, Fred, you're the one. And, and he <laughs> prayed about it. And, and people from Kingsway, they also said, you know, you're not only getting Fred, but you're getting Sherry too. <laughs> And so, okay, so, so um, I think that was a God moment. Right be under our noses, Fred Rocky was right down the road, so praise the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we're thinking about the past today. We're mindful uh, of the Bernhardt family's loss just this past weekend. Um, and so uh, this question that I had planned to ask uh, before, our brother Floyd went to be with the Lord uh, is especially poignant today. But who would be one, and this is really almost more for the benefit of those who are kind of new around here, 
Who would be one departed member of the Chapel Rock family that you wish the new folks could meet, and why would you want them to meet that person? I wish everybody here could, could have known Helen and Lawrence Leonard. They were a great inspiration in my life and in the church, and they were exceptional in their faith. And also, <clears throat> Richard and Patty Hicks, he was our first youth minister, children's minister, and he was outstanding. I kind of made a little list, and um, I'm like Dave, I cry a lot, so. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I waited to hear one of the high school kids say yes, she does, yeah. Um, but I'm just gonna read a few people, and then I'll mention one. Um, Pat McCammick, Richard Hicks, George Meyer, Jim Turpin, Maury Rice, Elaine Goodwin, Paula Taylor, Don Moody, Cheryl Terry, Vern Ridge. Ask people about these guys. Yeah. Great people. Um, but I'm going to mention Doug Moody. Um, Doug um, was born handicapped. Couldn't use his legs well, so he had crutches. Um, but was an amazing servant. He um, ran the sound system. He worked with the um, deaf ministry. We used to have a deaf ministry and had a deaf choir. Um, signing choir, really involved in that. And he coached girls softball when the teams played. So Doug was an amazing servant. So if you think you're handicapped, or you <laughs> think you can't do something, um, ask people about Doug Moody and what he did in his ministry here. One more question. What is the what part of Chapel Rock's ministry over the years has been the biggest influence in helping you guys become like Jesus? Um, my Sunday school class, uh, it's been wonderful. Lots of, of learning came through that. Lots of fellowship. Uh, lots of being Jesus to other people when they're hurting and, and need. Um, then the other thing I, I want to mention are the the Thursday night women's Bible studies. Um, I have never been so challenged uh, to get into the Word and to learn uh, as I have through the, those studies. They've been wonderful. Awesome. When we came here, we, uh, we became a part of the Home Builders uh, Sunday School class. And uh, th that was, uh, uh, I was heavily influenced by my neighbor. Uh, we live right next door to Gary Black, many of you know Gary. And he was very persistent about getting us here <laughs> in a wonderful way. And, uh, but I, but th that group, uh, we started out to, uh, as a small group, the, the Sunday school class was about 20 some people at that time. We grew um, over the years. Uh, our class uh, grew up to about 110, 120. But the, the biggest influence to me was the love and the caring. As uh, Carla and I were talking, at one time in our class, there were 40 women through, a, through the year uh, that were pregnant. And there was a lot of joy, but there were some problems. But the way we grew together, uh, we ministered to each other. Uh, and, and the things that became important to us was caring about each other. And to this day, 
uh, all of the people who were in that class are still good friends, even though many of them have moved away. But it influenced me to understand, you know, what Jesus was trying to communicate to us, that it's about loving people and it's about caring and serving. And uh, that class was, uh, the, as they say, the poster child for that. For 30 some years, I was a teach, teaching in the three-year-old department, so a lot of you didn't get to know me for years because I never was, I never went to Sunday school with George until the last few years. And I did that because he had <clears throat> Alzheimer's and he kept getting lost, so I finally decided I should take a break and, because <laughs> that's, People were good about taking him to class, but they didn't remember to bring him back to oh, me, no. so. <laughs> Some Sundays I spent a half hour, 45 minutes looking for him, but he was This is a big building, too. it's a big building, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, would you express your appreciation for our, our friends to share with us? Thank you guys, you guys can. So what's been the purpose of this walk down memory lane? We've recalled some happy and good things, recalled some hardships and struggles. Um, what's the, why, why bring up temporal relics from the recent and not so recent past? Here's what I want you to take home with you today. It's the big idea. Investing in the past matters because our remembrance of God's prior faithfulness helps us to interpret our present circumstances and inspire bold action in the future. When we remember that God has been faithful to us over the past, it helps us interpret what we're going through right now and be bold in the future. This gives us perspective. It gives us a sense of um, fitting in in God's overall redemptive work here. So how does that happen? How, how does this investment in the past pay off? Well, let's talk about that. I think it pays off in two ways. The first way is that being invested in the past helps us interpret our present circumstances. It helps us understand what's going on to us right now. If you do a study on the word remember in the Bible, you just, and by the way, you can do this for free. You can go to BibleGateway.com or YouVersion. There's a free app. You can, you can have some significant, there are some significant free online Bible studies out there. But just search for the word remember in the Bible. Just look it up. And what you will find over and over and over and over again is that Israel is called to remember when they're struggling with something. When there's a place of hardship and pain and difficulty in their life, that's God's word to them in that moment. Remember. Remember. Remembering what God has done, remembering God's prior faithfulness, helps us interpret and understand our present circumstances. When you are struggling with something, being invested in the past means that you recall the faithfulness of God and you are comforted in the present. 
It gives us perspective in the midst of our struggle. But that's not the only way it pays off. That alone would be enough. If that's all it did, that would be enough, right? Like, man, this is really hard, and I am not having fun right now. But you know what? God is good. God is faithful. And I don't understand why, and sometimes his timing is not my timing. 400 years of slavery sound familiar? I don't get why that's going on. I don't understand it. But all I know is that he is faithful and he is good. And ultimately, his plan for me has something out there better. And even if it's not in this life, it's still, I still win. We, I read the end of the book, y'all. We win. So it comforts us in the present. helps us understand our present circumstances and struggles. But that's not all it does. It also pays off another way too. As Spencer Jones wrote in the Lexham Theological Word Book, which I know sounds like yawn, it's awesome. He writes this, The act of remembering does not mean simply recalling information from the past, but also implies an appropriate response to that knowledge in the present. In the Bible, remembering is closely linked with action. It's not enough to just go, oh yeah, that was nice. That when you remember, you take action on it. When you remember what God has done, it should inspire you to be bold in your actions in the future. That God is faithful. God is good. He's got a plan. He's working it. You can trust Him because He's been so faithful in the past. You can have some guts, some courage in the future. You don't need to be afraid of the future when you remember the faithfulness of God. In the past five years since he has gone to be with Jesus, there have been dozens of obituaries and tributes that have been written about Chuck Colson. One of the best ones is by a man named Michael Gerson, who writes for the Washington Post. He writes this. He says that Colson was my greatest example of the transforming power of grace. He also writes, many wondered at Chuck's sudden conversion to Christianity. He seemed to wonder at it himself. He spent each day that followed his conversion for nearly 40 years, listen to this phrase, I love this, dazzled by his own implausible redemption. Not a bad way to spend the rest of your life. Listen, it is not an accident that we are talking about this on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Isn't that what you, I don't know about your family, that's been the way my family has worked at Thanksgiving time. My brother and I can just about quote every line of dialogue from the Princess Bride from the beginning to the end. <laughs> and we'll do that at family dinners, you know, we'll quote movie lines. My goal is to get my mother laughing so hard she snorts. That's the, <laughs> like mashed potatoes just too compliant, um... <laughs> We get together as a family at Thanksgiving and we remember. Oh, you remember that time with the creek back there? Yeah. Do you remember that time? Yeah. Do you remember that time? Yeah. We remember. Isn't that what Thanksgiving is supposed to do in our hearts? We remember the faithfulness of God. 
We remember his power. We remember answered prayers, and it changes our present. It transforms the now when you remember what God has done in the past. That's what being invested in the past means. It means being grateful for God's blessings of the past, and they help you live with more gratitude in the present. They help you have more compassion in the present, and they help you have more hope for the future. It inspires bold action so that you can trust God every day forward until your faith becomes sight. I want to ask our servers to go to the back at this time. As we were talking about how to do today, it seemed fitting and appropriate that we would end the, the message with the remembrance that we make each week of Jesus' sacrifice for us. He kind of sort of commanded us to do this, <laughs> to remember in fact, in the Old Testament, the, the Passover is, you know, kind of transformed into the Lord's Supper in the New Testament, and those two twin celebrations, those two memorials, Old Testament and New, really dramatically shape our faith. Each one involves the fullest of the five senses. We touch, we hear, we smell, we taste, we see. And memory has been, the five senses have been proven to be an aid to remembering. Every time that your teeth rend and tear the bread, we're reminded of Jesus' broken, torn body on the cross. Every time that the juice flows over your lips and your tongue, we're reminded of his blood that flowed from his many wounds. When we hear, as John mentioned earlier, the songs of our faith from many years gone by, it reminds us of the faithfulness of God's people. We hear the word of God. We hear these scriptures told again. We see them written in our Bible, and it changes us. We hear, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He's quoting Luke twenty two nineteen 19 there. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together, and then our servers will come, and they'll pass out communion. Please take the bread and juice in your own time after a period of reflection. Let's pray. Jesus, you have called and commanded us to remember you in this time. And so we do that, Lord. We remember your tortured body, your shed blood that flowed from an old wooden cross. We thank you for that. We remember our many sins that have been washed away. We confess the new ones to you today. We remember them too. 
And we remember your word that says that one day there'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more sin, for the old order of things has passed away. And you are making everything new. And you pronounce a benediction and a blessing on those of us who will participate in the wedding feast of the Lamb. And so until that day comes, Jesus, we make memory, we remember you today in this time. It's in your precious holy name we pray. Amen.